and welcome to another post mini camp practice purple insider podcast presented by scout logistics matthew collar here along with sam ekstrom and i was just making faces because sam you listened to an interview with Mike Zimmer that he did with Paul Allen that had some kind of juicy things that Mike Zimmer said. And boy, he had a lot to say today. And we are going to unfortunately have to talk about the vaccination part of this because Zimmer had some very interesting comments there, but we'll save that for a little later. Why don't you run through the three interesting things you told me that Mike Zimmer said, and then I will react to them. So go ahead. Oh, okay. So Zimmer talked to us for a good 15, 20 minutes, and he had some good things to say to us too. Um, get him in a little one-on-one situation though with uh, with Paul Allen, you know, voice of the Vikings. He occasionally will say some very honest things. And there were three moments of Zimmer honesty that caught my, caught my, uh, my ear. So number one, Zimmer gets teed up for a softball question about Kellen Mond, an opportunity to talk up the rookie quarterback um, and you know, p- pump his tires a little bit. Um, Zimmer says something along the lines of, uh, well, Kellen Mond needs a lot more work. Kellen Mond, and then he mentioned his accuracy. Um, and he said that the mental part of his game, like in the classroom is going pretty well, but I think th- this matches the eye test. The stuff on the field has not been stellar from what we've seen. And granted he's working with the threes, but a lot of check downs. Um, some inaccurate throws, a throwing motion that doesn't look um, the most confident in the world. So that's Zimmer on Mond, not exactly stoking the fire of a QB controversy. Okay, so I think that it is interesting that he would bring this up. It also is on par, though, with Mike Zimmer being honest about rookies. This is where, so I've got another example to use of this with Mike Zimmer. Uh, When I talk about, how you don't necessarily want to fire Mike Zimmer unless you have to, because he's a professional coach and he knows how to manage a professional football team. This is one of the places it starts every year. He will just call out whatever rookie he wants because whatever, man, what the heck have you done? And he did this with the wide receivers a couple of years ago where he said, how about you guys learn how to line up? Could you please? And he went out of his way to say these rookie receivers have no idea what they're doing and they need to figure it out. And I think that that is um, it's a little bit old school compared to some coaches who will not say anything about anybody. There are coaches like that. But I also think that it's a thing that probably goes over pretty well with veteran players of like, yeah, call out those guys, you know, and, and let's not give them the respect of talking around whatever issue they might be having, because again, what have you done? Uh, I think Zimmer's comments match up exactly with what we've seen from Kellen Mond. I have no doubt that he knows football and that he can go into a classroom and apply things that he learned from Jimbo Fisher, who runs a pro style offense. But when we've watched him, try to play quarterback. We haven't seen much. I, today was actually the first time where we saw him like throw a touchdown and, and look competent on a few plays in a row. And, you know, I, I guess I just don't know how much to make of that because as we were talking about a little yesterday, I just don't care about Kellen Mond at this point. Like you're going to have to make me care about you. And I think that that's what Mike Zimmer is saying in a way like Kellen, you're going to have to make me care about you by throwing more accurately, being able to apply what you learn in the classroom. And we'll see how this goes. 
I do not think it's a particularly good sign for Kellen Mond, though. And the Browning bus adds, you know, maybe another passenger. Mike Zimmer, here we go. On to the Browning bus, though. Nate Stanley uh, did get a few more reps today. So that's that's interesting. Nugget number one, I think, matches up very much with reality. Go on to the second one. Yeah, the theme of Zimmer's comments today, basically just throwing rookies under the the Browning bus, um, if if that's the term we're going to use. So number two, he and you mentioned um, the receivers, you know, throwing the rookie receivers under the bus two years ago. Um, So earlier today, for some context, he was asked by Arif Hassan, friend of the show, you know, who's in the lead for the wide receiver three battle? And of course, Zimmer lists off a handful of guys, but some names you wouldn't expect. Blake Prohl. The, the UDFA, KJ Osborne, my guy. You were beaming. You who were has beaming. been standing out every day that I've seen. He got a mention. Dan Chisna got a mention. The, the special teams only UDFA from last year. And then he mentioned BB as well. The key omission, Emir Smith-Marset, did not get a, a lick of attention from Zimmer in the response. So then on, on Paul Allen's show, again, sets him up to compliment Amir Smith-Marset and says something along the lines of, yeah, I can see that that Amir Smith-Marset has been, you know, hanging on Adam Thielen's every word and, and spending a lot of time with him like Jefferson last year. And then Zimmer's response, paraphrased a bit, says, well, he likes to talk. And I told him the other day, he's got to start uh, backing up all this trash that he's talking, which again, sounds like a coach who's saying, hey, you need to know your place, man. I mean, the the Vikings have had a, a litany of kind of fifth round flop receivers post Stefan Diggs. They hit on Diggs, but then they missed on um, Rodney Adams. KJ Osborne was a bust last year. Um, Stacey Coley wasn't in the fifth round, but he was kind of in that range. Hasn't been good. And Amir Smith-Marset, to my eye, has done nothing in OTAs or minicamp except like create an interception on a rare, like good throw from Kellen Mond. So I, again, it matches the eye test and I, I, I kind of like Zimmer's honesty about it. So I'm not going to make any judgments on Amir Smith Marset till he's in pads and actually doing stuff. Uh, That's, that's just like my rule. Like we could talk about, you know, they did this or they did that, or like KJ Osborne has made some good plays, but not full of judgments until we get to that point. However, I would say, that self-awareness is a hell of a drug in football. And when you are a fifth round pick and the head coach is saying you're talking too much, that might be something you want to listen to. You want to listen to that very closely. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I guess I, I look at it as on draft day, we always hear about how great every single guy is. And fans get excited and they should because the draft is super exciting. It's like our Super Bowl for 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 us, even even Purple Insider, where week one and the draft are the two most exciting days of the year for us. And then, you know, if there's playoff games, of course. But um, at the same time, day three draft picks, there's a reason you're day three draft pick, you know, right? So. Uh, I guess I'm always hesitant to anoint any of those guys, wide receiver, depth pass rusher, whatever, next playmaker they have for this exact reason. Because if Smith Marset seems to think that he's just going to take over, you know, as some star on this team, like that is not happening, dude. It's just not like best case scenario is you're a special teamer who can occasionally get in a football game and maybe possibly make a play. Um, But this is also, everyone always gets so upset. Why do they like Chad Beebe? Why do they like Chad Beebe? Guy just does his job. 
Right. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that they like him. So this would be something. And I, and I love this comment because it's very interesting insight into kind of what's going on out there um, with him specifically and, and what he's got to learn if he's going to actually make it. So I, I'm always fascinated by these types of things, um, you know, like learn to line up right first, catch a ball in mm -hmm. OTAs that makes anybody excited about you. KJ Osborne's got five or six since we've been out there. And so, as far as I could tell, Amir Smith-Marset has zero. So um, it, interesting stuff, though. Interesting that Mike Zimmer would kind of go in on him. Yeah. Does it feel to you, though, a little bit like the Vikings are going to do the same thing as last year and keep like seven receivers and then three of them won't even see the field? Yes. Yes, it yeah. does. Uh, I don't think BC Johnson's going anywhere. I am certain that Chad Beebe is not going anywhere. And then you're probably not cutting the last two draft picks that you have from the fifth rounders, unless somebody like Blake Prohl or Wap Fillier, it, these guys come in and say, no, I'm going to demand this job. And we're nowhere near knowing if that's going to happen or not. I think BC Johnson didn't emerge as wide receiver three, two years ago until like what the final two weeks of camp, maybe B BC Johnson was like among the receivers that got called out that year. Yep. He might've been like, and, and I think you've, you put it this way. He might've been like 89th of 90, like in players that you thought were relevant he had a pretty bad OTAs. He was dropping a lot of balls. And then, you know, he started kind of coming into his own in preseason and it appeared like he knew what he was doing. And I think the team appreciated his precision and that earned him a look. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes we can get enamored a little bit by like caught balls and dropped balls when the real evaluation is kind of happening with the X's and O's. Like what do they see when they turn the, the film back on and Zimmer sits at his ranch in front of the fire and like gets watches the film back on his iPad and makes the evaluations. I think that that might end up holding more weight in the hot tub. As we learned last year, he's talking about With Adam a, yep. a visual that I did not need. <laughs> um, but Adam Thielen talked the other day and seemed to be talking around something. And I can't say for sure this is it, but I thought it was interesting when he said, you know, uh, Jefferson, you know, he's always learning and maybe some other guys need to learn from him when it comes to that. And other guys think they made it. It's like, Hmm, okay. That stuck out to me. I wonder who's talking about it. And maybe we got our answer. So what's the third thing? Yeah. So Zimmer critique number three, this was maybe a little gentler of a critique, but, um, Wyatt Davis was brought up another rookie. I uh, spent the entire off season with the twos at right guard. Zimmer starts off by saying he's got to lose some weight, which is interesting because Zimmer talked about getting a beefier offensive line, getting a bigger offensive line. So if he wanted a bigger offensive line, but still wants Davis to, to cut some weight, um, what's the deal with that? What now, caller? <laughs> um, now, okay. He also told us, Zimmer, in his interview with us, that he wants – pass protection on the interior to be a huge uh, improvement this year and block quote inside out for Kirk cousins. And let me just, this is a quick diversion to another uh, area here, but this is why we critique because he does too. Right. So when we're always looking for things that he could be improving, that the team wants to change when we have talked about that interior pressure that has just ruined cousins at times, this is why we talk about it, because 
Zimmer eventually came to the same exact conclusion that the interior pressure is a problem. And I wonder how much Ezra Cleveland playing guard has to do with that. A guy who's a good pass protector in college, like is big. He's not like Brian O'Neill where he was on. So maybe that's part of it. We want this pass protector to be on the inside because that's actually what seems to derail cousins more than pressure from the outside, which is unusual uh, in the NFL. But I think that that's who he is. And he also mentioned the clean pocket stuff, which everyone knows by now, Kirk has very good clean pocket statistics. So that sounded to me like Zimmer really getting it, like really having this epiphany. Well, if we block up the middle, like he's going to be better. Um, now, that being said, Wyatt Davis still practicing with the second team. Christian Darisaw was just mixing in with the second team today. I mean, look, this is the thing when you draft offensive linemen and you hope that in year one, they're just the guy. We don't know if they're the guy until they can prove they can actually play. So I don't know if his comment increases my chances. And I, I guess I'll ask you what you'd put the chances at that Wyatt Davis and Christian Darisaw are not starting in week one, because I can tell you who doesn't care what you think about this, Sam, that is Mike Zimmer does not care about what you think about when, when it comes to this or any other fans. We know this, that he's not going to say, well, the fans want the rookies to start. So I guess I'll start him. He's going to start who he thinks is going to play the best. So what, like, does this change your odds a little of both of those guys starting week one? So if it's a parlay, like if I need both of them to start week one to, to, to win the bet, I'm, I put the odds at like, five to one or 10 to one. Like, I don't, I don't think it's that likely like at this point and I could be wrong, but we didn't see any kind of, of inkling that they are going to be given this, this job. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Darisaw is coming off a little injury. He didn't get as much time in, in OTAs and Davis needs to lose weight. And he's been with the twos. I'm, I'm starting to think that like the, the odds are trending the wrong direction. If you want the rookies in the mix, um, and maybe the team wants it that way. Like maybe they sort of in their in the back of their mind envision them taking over at the midway point, which has been kind of their MO at other positions. And it was with Brian O'Neill um, and it was with Justin Jefferson. But I don't know if that's the right method. You know, the, the one thing that we didn't see really at many positions um, in, in OTA's minicamp seeing different combinations of guys like the, I think that people assume that, Oh, they've got these off season practices. Again, they can mix and match and see different things. Didn't see much of that. I mean, the third linebacker spot. Yeah. We saw some different bodies coming in, but the O line was the same. Um, cornerback kind of had a rotation by default because a bunch of guys were hurt, but we didn't see a lot at safety. We didn't see a lot at receiver. Um, it, they kind of just rolled with the people like the, the veterans or the, the incumbents. They didn't, they didn't have a lot of different looks, which seems to me like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah. If you're going to do it, this is the time to do it. And even Harrison Smith was talking about Zimmer experimenting every year during this time with different schematic stuff, but they didn't do that at all when it came to roster stuff and who's starting where. And, and maybe at this point in the off season, it's not, as important to them as it is us. Maybe that it's like, Oh, well he's with the second team. That's fine. It doesn't really mean anything. He's just getting used to stuff. And he was asked, Zimmer was asked a question about acclimating uh, from college to the NFL. And he said, well, 
every position is really hard to acclimate from college to the NFL. So you expect the guys to get their feet wet here, come to camp ready to be NFL players and not act like rookies at that point. But right now you can say, Wyatt Davis, uh, get yourself in a little better shape and figure out how to do some things technically before you're going to take, um, Dakota Dozier's job, but I still, I, I would be surprised. My meter isn't going up with this, uh, comment. I would be surprised if the two rookies are not starting week one. That said, Zimmer in the past has slow played maybe more than he even should with some of these rookies. So I guess it could go either way. I'm leaning toward they play, but knowing his history of not playing rookies right away that often, very possible if he's not happy with Wyatt Davis's shape. And, and this is a small thing. It just stuck to my eye a little bit, though. After you watch everybody do the same drills all the time, you sort of get down how it should look or how quick it should look. I thought Davis out of his stance, you know, taking those first couple of steps on a few of the drills, he did look a step slower than the quicker guys, which is natural because they weigh 30, 40 pounds left less. But if it's going to matter to the run game, it's going to matter to them. Um, so do you have a, a follow-up comment on that or do you want me to move along? Um, I guess my follow-up would be, I think the Vikings and the Vikings fans would rather have Davis starting week one because of the player that's behind him or Agreed. in front of him, I guess. Agreed. Dakota Dozier. You'd rather have Rashad Hill for a few games than Dozier for a few games. But Davis being a little lower pick might be the one who's further away from being that, that guy. So I don't know how you feel about that, but um, that's kind of an interesting, you know, either or. No, strong agree that uh, if you were giving Vikings fans the choice, would they rather have Davis or Derisaw start right away? They've seen Rashad Hill. They know he can play. They've also seen Dakota Dozier. They know he can't play. So I, I agree with you there. Uh, all right. Here's what I want to play for now. And I'll try to make up maybe a jingle for it or something on the fly. Uh, the winners of minicamp. Um who are the winners of minicamp? Do, 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 do minicamp. We can include the OTAs. Let's talk about who won OTAs. Um, so in we can include losers as well. I just couldn't fit it in the song. I'm I'll do a song for the losers when the time comes. Okay, okay sounds good. So let's talk about the winners. Uh, I'm going to just start. Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer won. He won. I mean, he got all his defensive players. Sheldon freaking Richardson is here. Uh, Bashad Breland is here. There's all veterans. I mean, he talking to him today, he looked like a happy man. He's, he's having sit down conversations with Patrick Peterson and so forth. Like he seems like a, like he's thrilled to have his defense back. He's a winner. Yeah. Glowing, cheerful. Uh, yeah. He's got, he's got emanating this aura. The, the 2017 aura is back on Zim and like, think, think it through in your head, man. Like the, the defensive line 100% revamped from week one last year. Um, and that includes, you know, Hunter returning, but completely new four plus Richardson as the fifth, which is not a bad thing. Um, cornerbacks probably completely revamped, like uh, pr provided, I guess that if Breland were the starter and dancer came off the bench, that would be three for three new cornerbacks. You've got one new safety. So potentially, and Zimmer actually brought this up on the radio, which you know, tells me that he is considering Breland to start. He said they could have eight new starters on defense with Kendricks, Barr, and and Smith being the returners from week one last year. That That's a drastic change, and the majority of those new faces are 
veterans who have kind of proven that they can play in this league. So it's going to look, it's going to look way different. Uh, I think they signed Breland to start. I, I think that they looked at Cam Dantzler and said, well, first you're not staying healthy is a problem, but also like he had a couple of good games and they boosted up that PFF grade. But what we know about PFF grades in terms of corners is that they're all really small samples and they probably have the biggest ups and downs of any position, because if you have two great games or two terrible games, it can really like move that number around. And um, I think on a play to play basis, you'd like to see him get more time as opposed to a veteran, like more time to learn the position. I, I think he's still an interesting player, but I could see why you wouldn't want to rely on him versus Bashad Breland, who has been good in his career. So that's my first winner. How about yours? Winner, I think, Justin Jefferson. I mean, he he looks, like this is crazy to say, he looks better in a practice setting this year than he did last year, where I, I felt like there was some tentativeness last year. Um and that's kind of why everyone agreed in week one. Like a lot of the the reporting on Jefferson was, yeah, he doesn't quite look ready. Like BC Johnson earned this, which is crazy that that we were saying that. And sometimes we're wrong, I guess. But he looks the part this year. And uh, and Mike Zimmer has kind of echoed that, that he just has like this um, different vibe about him and obviously more confidence. And he's made some great plays in camp too. And so is Thielen. Thielen's always been a really good practice player. So the one, two punch, man, it's, um, it's real. It, it, it's real. And I think this, this passing game is going to be exciting. And I, I really want to see what, um, what Keenan McCardell's impact is like Adam Thielen had some good things to say about McCardell's presence the other day about how you, you know, sometimes you can get really caught up in, in technique, especially when you're a young receiver. But McCardell has that like 16-year NFL career and a bunch of hands-on experience, and he can teach you how to win when your technique gets altered because you're going to get jammed. Like there's going to be bodies in front of you that you have to get around, and he sort of is able to teach you that make-do approach of how to beat a defensive back on the fly. And I think that that could help get the most out of the the younger guys, out of the depth. Because, and I I don't want to, I'm not ripping on like, Drew Petzing and Andrew Janoko, the last two receivers coaches, I think they're good coaches and they've, they're young, they've climbed the ladder, but they didn't like play receiver at even a college level. Um, Keenan McCardell is a pro bowler, at, you know, 800 catches. So th- there is some street cred that he has and credibility um, that'll, I think, help Jefferson and Thielen and the young guys. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your Dollar Bill Krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them at Soda Stick co on twitter go to sodastick.com for your original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping 
Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury. I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. I think that was a dog bark in the background, so consider your dog pun here in a minute. Um, I'll respond to what you said. The comments on Justin Jefferson from other people have not sounded to me like lip service and they haven't looked to me like lip service when I've seen him out there. And I think of it a little bit. I think of Justin Jefferson a lot like a basketball player. And I know that he was a really good basketball player where he is a find a way kind of guy to beat your man. Like he just has such a natural way of playing the game that uh, Patrick Peterson on his podcast mentioned something about you know, Jefferson kind of put a move on him that he hadn't even really seen before that he was sort of surprised and, and had said, well, what was that? Well, what did you just do there? Um, which for someone like Patrick Peterson, who's seen many receivers, um, you know, I, I think that's really saying something. And the other part of it too, is I remember saying this maybe early on last year uh, after Justin Jefferson emerged and we were talking about um, I think Jeremiah Searles and I were talking about like, Oh, does this prove that, you know, he's, he's a big time player now. And he talked about how his favorite NBA player was LeBron James, which may seem sort of like trivial or who cares. But I felt like the way he talked was, I want to be great. Like, I, w- I want to chase greatness. And that's what we've heard from him. And that's what we've heard from other people about him. Like Adam Thielen saying the other day that, I mean, he is putting in more work on the details. You establish yourself as a good player, but then it gets harder So he knows that it's going to get harder. And I just think that Jefferson's personality plays such a huge role in why he's been so successful so far. So I agree. I agree with you that everything you wanted to hear about year two, not like, oh, well, and we know this, there would be some in between the line stuff if he wasn't, but really hearing specifics on what he's doing to make sure that he could take on the extra attention that's coming along. Yeah. And maybe it's an optical illusion, but he seems like a hair faster too he's running like like a greyhound like nora your your pup um there's the dog pun he has been beating oh wow you look really skeptical what, at my was pun. It, it wasn't really a pun it was just it was more of a uh, like a metaphor it was an illusion yeah um which has merit come on don't rip my don't rip my i i brought your dog into the equation you, you love your dog he'll never be as fast as her i can tell you that that's probably true, but he does look fast, especially on like I, I've seen some some slants where he just breaks people down, including Peterson. Um, those two. Oh, here, here's a question for you. Is it like cut and dried? No doubt about it that Jefferson draws the number one assignment from every team. 
Yep, it is. And uh, Adam Thielen is very McArdle-ish in the way that he, I mean, he's benefited his whole career from this, that we saw when Patrick Peterson played against the Vikings, he guarded Stefan Diggs a lot of the time. Uh, players like that would take on Stefan Diggs. They would roll coverage that way. And the thing is that if you're not giving Adam Thielen the proper attention, he is just going to rip you apart. And he has for many years. He's become a very good receiver in part. But last year when he was asked to be the number one at times and when Diggs would get hurt, it wasn't quite the same as we saw the one game when Thielen was out that he was just Jefferson was dominant against the Carolina Panthers. So I think he is clearly wide receiver one, but if your wide receiver two is of the level of Keenan McCardle, which I think is a good comp for Adam Thielen, hmm. you're in great shape. It's just that um, as we obsess over wide receiver three is Chad Beebe. Um, okay. So let's see another winner of the mini camp. I'm going to say, is uh, no, I won't. I, I won't go Browning bus. I'm not going to drive everyone in, insane with this. I'm just going to. I'll just. I'll just creep by and say Browning bus because like he is a winner of this coming out of it as the number two quarterback. But we've talked about that already. Um, I'm. I'm just going to say Kirk Cousins is a winner of this. He hasn't looked great and he hasn't like thrown a ton of touchdowns, but it's just been so clear that Kirk Cousins is the number one quarterback. He's the guy he's got his offense back. He's got his playmakers back. He's got Jefferson. He's got offensive linemen that, that can emerge here. And he's got an offensive coordinator with the same last name as his offensive coordinator the year before. And so I feel like there was after the draft, this vibe of like, Oh boy, it's going to be a fascinating off season for cousins. Is he going to get, you know, pressured by Mond? And he established very quickly and easily in this mini camp. Oh, oh Kellen Mond is nowhere close to Kirk cousins. And he is the guy. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go obvious with the head coach and quarterback, but I'll say they're both winners. Plus defense is better. And you mentioned this the other day, maybe some starting positions that won't be at the 25 yard line for next year. So even just getting a better defense makes Kirk cousins a winner also. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, I do. And I probably said this the other day too. I do worry a little bit about the offensive line that is still in front of him, but I guess um, that's nothing new. Like he's had a bad offensive line, you know, before and had, you know, in 2019 found a way to win 10 games, even with some, some pretty poor blocking. I, um, I think that weapons wise, he's in really good shape. Um, I, I'm curious to know like how the Vikings will deploy their running backs this year, whether Dalvin cook is going to get the same workload. Um, I'm curious how they deploy their wide receiver three, if it's going to be like a Chad BB level amount of snaps, or if somebody earns more than that. Um, but like all in all, yes. Um, I think the continuity will serve him, him well. And it's hard to get a straight answer from people because depending how you frame the question, some people will say, yep, it's the same system with, with Clint. And then if you frame it a different way, people will, you know, say, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Clint is making it his own. He's putting these wrinkles in and we don't really ever know until week one, what the offense is going to look like. That's when the truth comes out. So I don't think we can say for sure. My, I tend to believe it's going to look pretty much the exact same. Um, but hey, September 12th, that's kind of the date that we'll find out. 
Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly, Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so do you want to do your losers? No. I wanted to, to give a quick winner's shout out to oh, sure. select second year players, specifically Harrison Hand, DJ Wanham, and KJ Osborne. Yeah, say, say KJ Osborne. Say KJ Osborne. Who, you know, KJ Osborne, he should be my guy. He went to University of Buffalo, you know. Yes, yes. And then Miami after that, right? Um, yeah. Yep. For just yeah. one year. Yeah. Uh, but um, agree with you there. Can I just tack on one rookie who I think is a winner just by proxy of like getting some time with the twos would be Cam Bynum. Yep. I think is another way. Yeah, I agree. He's probably been like the most impressive rookie in terms of outperforming his draft position, I guess, or getting kind of moved up the ladder and um, seems like he's kind of safety number three or safety number four. I think he's got a pretty secure spot on the roster. Okay, so uh, losers, you, to, you you got a song. You want me to make up a song? Um, what happens if you struggle at OTAs and mini camp? You're a loser, wow, no. and you're gonna get ripped by a purple insider. Yeah. You know, last year you and I did a show in which we talked about questions regarding Holton Hill. And uh, we said, man, you know, it could go either way with Holton Hill. Like he could emerge or he could just be cut. Or, like, he, you know, he could look terrible. And Jaleel Johnson said, these guys don't know blank. And um, I mean, we did. We did know blank. But um, we turned out to be right with the potential that Holton Hill could eventually get cut. But I just thought it was funny of like the losers of last year's it wasn't even really mini camp yet because there wasn't one, but it was sort of like lead up to training camp. The losers were Jaleel Johnson for being really wrong about that. So uh, that was the first one that came to mind. I'll, I'll try for a better song because you might actually be tone deaf. Um, so, uh, let's see. Oh, I definitely am. You're a loser of mini camp. You were bad at OTAs. A little falsetto there. Okay. So little NFL films. Can we get auto tune on that? Like, <laughs> yes. after, can you edit that in? 
I mean, I actually do know how, yes, but I'm not going to take the time. So who do we, who do, yeah, it is a bummer. Who do we think uh, took an L here in minicamp? Um, like all the defensive tackles that aren't Tomlinson, Pierce or, or Richardson. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get the sense that um, they had a lot of confidence in that group. I certainly, I certainly didn't. Um, and I think that's kind of reflected in the acquisition, but I don't know if Jalen Holmes is going to make this roster. Um, Armin Watts, I get, you know, James Lynch. I, I don't, I don't know who you would have had like reliably backing up your two starters at defensive tackle. So I think that's, that's tough for them. And then sort of in that same vein, um, like Dantzler, I mean, Dantzler doesn't do a thing in OTAs or minicamp must be an injury of some kind, maybe right leg. Cause he had a wrap on it and they bring in a guy who's going to vie for his spot. Um, rough time for the uh, former third round pick. What I was going to say is middle round drafting is the loser of OTAs because this team has drafted repeatedly guys that they just told us, oh, we're, we love this guy as a project and we're going to do this to him and he's going to move to this position and so forth uh, among these defensive linemen. And they all, like you said, they just took big L's. Like Jalen Holmes is a guy they drafted as a fourth-round pick who couldn't sack anyone at Ohio State. And then he came here, never got to play his first couple of years, gets to play, gets no sacks, and then they replace him. And that, I mean, that's football for you. Uh, but and that was another pick where we went, mm, okay, there's the, we're going to compare him to Neil Hunter because he's got long arms kind of deal. Uh, I will say DJ Wanham does look more jacked. So maybe, uh, maybe the fact that they haven't gotten another defensive end, DJ Wanham is a winner of um, minicamp because the fact that they just haven't replaced him means they feel good about him. So put him aside in this, but James Lynch, fourth round draft pick. I have a tough time thinking he's going to see the field. So a lot of these players that they had drafted, hoping they would eventually take these positions and sort of be the next Kendricks or Hunter or Diggs or somebody who comes from the middle rounds to emerge as a really good player. It has not happened. And they had to do a lot to their cap because of it. And I would say, you know, the cap is a bit of a winner and a loser. Like this year's cap is a winner. Next year's cap is a loser because they have really had to mess around with it quite a bit to be able to get all of these veteran players in here. And we sort of praised that yesterday where we talked about, well, wow, you did a lot to, to build this defense with veteran players at the same time. What that is, is an indictment on the way that you've mm-hmm. drafted and Hey, I'm, I'm draft nihilism guy. And it's good luck and bad luck. It goes up and down, but they have certainly had a, a run of bad luck when trying to spot the middle round pass rusher interior or on the outside that they thought was going to kind of emerge as the next whoever. Yeah. Jaleel um, didn't work out. Jalen Holmes, I can safely say is probably not going to work out. Um, I, don't know if he makes this roster, you know, offensive side drew Samia. Like if you hit on Samia, you don't need to draft Wyatt Davis, right? Um, you might, let's see. was that the, was that the Cleveland draft where they also took Samia or was that the year before year before? No, that was the year before. Yeah. If they hit on Samia, maybe they don't even have to take Ezra Cleveland. So like, yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a ripple effect there where you're kind of like stacking draft picks on top like at the same position because you whiff on the first attempt and maybe even the second attempt. And particularly on the defensive line, they've got something in their head about fourth round 
defensive tackles, defensive ends that it, and they seem to latch on to these like sweet spots. Like, well, we got Griffin in the fourth. So we're always going to look there. We got Diggs in the fifth. So we're going to get receivers there. And I don't know if that's a tried and true method because the sample size is getting bigger in their attempts and the hit rate is getting smaller. Yep. I totally agree. And I think uh, the last loser that I have um, is maybe the most obvious because we've talked about him quite a bit, but Kellen Mond, Uh, you open the show with Mike Zimmer's comments about him. The fact that we are uh, going into day three, the final day of mini camps, and he's taking only a handful of reps is definitely not a win. So with the Browning bus and the Stanley station, both, um, I whatever you want to call it, like people are on the Browning bus or they're visiting the Stanley station, but uh, we don't need a rhyme for Mond at the moment. So he's, he's just got a long way to go to prove anything. And the fact that he just can't even get second team reps, I think is, is a pretty big L for him to take so far. That's not to say that he's a bust or that he won't get it together in, in training camp and learn the offense better and operate and execute and become good. I mean, it's all possible. Uh, what well, wasn't it uh, Tyree kill that he said he thought Patrick Mahomes wasn't any good at first. So like, look, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just saying if we're doing winners and losers, uh, not a winner. Yeah. Someone on Twitter tossed out the Mond mobile. And, and I think oh. you responded by saying he hasn't earned a vehicle yet. Correct. Yep. Yep. You got to get in. Yeah. I mean, you got to get in, to take some reps first before he's waiting for his uber he's watching he's watching on the little screen watching the dot (laughs) slowly inching toward him stopping for gas winding through the streets but we'll use that we'll use mon mobile if he starts to uh you know get in his mobile whatever it is and mobile mobile wordplay or if he's got say upward mobility on the depth chart then it will be the monmobile. Look at you, creative. I know. That's why people listen. So, um, all right. I want to mention the Zimmer vaccination thing. If you have anything else, say so now. Yeah. um, No, let's rip the Band-Aid. Okay. All right. Uh, So here's what Zimmer said. It was very, actually, I thought, quite thoughtful of Mike Zimmer and quite insightful. He said that they met with the main doctor guy of uh, the NFL and he gave all the players their information, as much information as you could possibly get. Mike Zimmer said the word antibodies, which I did not have on my bingo board of Mike Zimmer ever saying the word antibodies, but he did. And he sort of explained to us why uh, he is vaccinated and why, um, you know, or what they're trying to sort of tell the players. And then he made a point to say, it's going to be a lot worse for you if you do not get vaccinated as a player, because you're going to have to have the same protocols as last year, which is a plenty. That means you can't like have lunch with your teammates. That means you can't go home during the bye week. That means uh, you can't go out to dinner the night before. So it's really kind of splitting the team up a little bit. And I think this is happening across the league. And so I think that Zimmer was kind of making the point that like, look, it's just, you know, it's going to be a lot easier for us to come together if we have a lot of guys buy in. Now that is not to say that whoever is uh, listening to the show here that you look, you can do whatever you want with your life. That's your call. Uh, But from a football perspective, this is 
relevant. Andrew Kramer asked a couple of questions, saw people get mad at him about it. It's relevant. Chris Paul might have to miss games in the NBA Western Conference Finals because of this. Uh, and we don't, I, I don't know more information about that, but it's just like, this remains a storyline and reporters are going to ask about it because it's relevant. If you have players who are unvaccinated and they get COVID and they're out and they cost you games, like that's, it could happen. So it's something worth asking about and getting information about. That's all I wanted to say about it. I found, but I just wanted to compliment Zimmer on being very mm -hmm. transparent about where he stands on this controversial issue. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and I think Zimmer, you know, towed the line well between like speaking about it from a like safety and wellness perspective, as well as a football perspective. Now you can speculate on, you know, where a football coach might land privately on this debate. But what's clear is with Zimmer is that he he cares about the, the ramifications from a football standpoint. And he's reiterated numerous times how refreshing it is to be able to communicate with his staff without a mask and to have the players like within arm's length for instruction purposes like that, that means something to him. Cause he's an old school coach. He's hands-on. He wants to look people in the eye and, you know, quiz them and call on them like in the meeting room. And, you know, if it's on the field, he wants to be able to sort of like guide them in like the, the right maneuvers. And so to him to, to see, and we've got confirmation now, there's some very key players on this team that have, you know, said they're not vaccinated. Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, Sheldon Richardson, Kirk Cousins declined to answer. I think that probably, you know, speculation might mean he's not. Um, don't know for sure. But when when Zimmer looks at key players potentially missing games, um, potentially not in the meeting rooms, I think that is a little upsetting to him from a football standpoint. And he seemed to kind of draw a line there and say it's going to be hard on those people. And I... I Maybe those like realities will set in more when the season starts and the inconveniences will push people in a certain way. Um, if you want my personal opinion, if, if, you know, if they have the information and they haven't made the choice by now, um, they may not be inclined to do that, but we will see how it goes. Yeah. And so uh, just from a football reporting perspective, it will remain a story. And I'm sorry for that. Uh, I would prefer it not be a story either, but it Same. is one. It is one. Uh, if you know, you're talking about guys getting tested now um, the same way that they had to get tested last year, which means, and we know that this happens, that sometimes it will be unclear. And I think it was maybe Des Bryant who got pulled off the sideline because it was unclear whether it was positive or negative. I mean, this from a football perspective, what Mike Zimmer said is right, that it's going to make some people's lives a little more challenging. And I don't think the NFL is just going to throw up their hands and say, ah, well, let's bleep it. Well, let's just go forward with it. I think they're going to, they're going to stay like on top of this thing because they know that an outbreak of some kind can shut down an entire team. And it happened last year um, with the Tennessee Titans. So uh, that will be something worth kind of keeping an eye on and getting updates on as we go forward. And uh, hopefully someday it is not because it's all gone and uh, that will be a well, good day. Well, then, yeah, it will be a good day. And think about this too. Like there's probably going to be fans this year 
like think about morning of game, like outbreak happening, you know, team like like sudden postponement, 50,000 people like thinking they're going to go to the game and then they're not like that. You know, that might be a reality this year. Well, well, we saw last year they'll make you play your wide receiver quarterback. That's another thing. True, true. They, they did not give the Denver Broncos a break. Imagine if you're the Vikings, and this is just why we ask and, and why we're why it gets talked about. Imagine if you're the Vikings and you have a couple of players go out and what you know, what are you gonna do? You're just gonna play on. And if it costs you a game, then it it becomes a competitive type of advantage or disadvantage. So that will just be from a football perspective, something very interesting to keep an eye on. Um and that is that. So we don't know as we record this if they're actually going to hold the third day of mandatory mini camp. Sometimes they just cancel it because they feel like they've gotten far enough. So we'll see if we have more to get to. But I know we're going to talk with uh, Cameron De Silva tomorrow about the Rams and just we're going to get his perspective on Matt Stafford playing there. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and it's it's been fun. I've been re- you know I've been really happy. OTAs, minicamp, I enjoy these things. You enjoy these things. And last year it was just freaking miserable. So it's been good. So we'll talk yeah. about it again soon. Yeah, sounds good. We'll uh, we'll have some some fun in the sun tomorrow at TCO one more time if they have it.